I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. It is December, and I'm once again here to ask you to support this podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by becoming a podcast sponsor. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000, I'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. The only way to do this is to visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and make your contribution. Cato accepts no government money, and we depend on the generosity of our sponsors to help us advance the values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 4th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. When a homeowner faces a fine and doesn't pay, some states allow local governments to take homes in response to pay those fines. And in many cases, governments keep virtually all of the proceeds from the sale of that home. Christina Martin is an attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation. She calls this process home equity theft. Even here at the State Policy Network annual meeting, I will say the term home equity theft, and people who are engaged in public policy don't know what that is. And it's it seems like it's it's really an underappreciated issue. Describe what it is and and what it means for homeowners. Yeah, so I actually didn't even know about home equity theft until a few years ago. I uh, read an interesting decision out of a federal court in Washington, D.C., and what happened was there's an elder, uh, an elderly gentleman there who had um, dementia, and so he had missed one of his tax bills, uh, owed about $200, as I recall, on the bill, and was shocked when he was evicted from his own home. And investors had purchased it for pennies on the dollar. And uh, even though his debt was relatively small, the government took this property and gave it away for next to nothing. And the former owner got nothing out of it. So that's how I learned about it. Washington Post did an interesting- They did a a, a series on it, a very, very large series on it. And uh, is this, how pervasive is it? Uh, there's actually about a dozen states that are currently engaging in home equity theft, some worse than others. So when I see a huckster on television, and whether or not they're selling something legitimate, they're still sort of hucksters, uh, selling me on the invest in tax liens, is that what they're talking about? Sometimes. There's actually some legitimate tax liens where, and most tax lien investors are not making money on this sort of theft um, that some governments have signed off on. And in fact, most home, m- most liens, you just get an interest um, and most people pay off their debt. But there are those situations. Sometimes it's health issues. Sometimes it's poverty. And other times people don't get the notices. And that's actually... A really big problem in um, states, particularly where I think uh, the notice is left to the person who's going to profit if the if the person doesn't get it. So in Michigan, uh, we have a really interesting lawsuit. I'll actually be arguing it in the Michigan Supreme Court next week. And um, in that case, my client accidentally underpaid his property taxes by eight dollars, and so. The county took the house, sold it for $24,500, and kept all $24,500. He owed, you know, $8 in property taxes plus about $280 in uh, 
penalties and interest and the costs of the auction. And they kept every penny. Of course, we think this is not just wrong and unconscionable. We also think it's unconstitutional. Um, But the thing that really gets to me about Michigan is that um, because the government is the one profiting there, there are so many stories like this. We have another client, and this is just starting out, but we haven't, it's in the trial court, I mean, um, who they accidentally underpaid their property taxes by $144. And since taking on these kinds of cases, I have gotten so many phone calls from people in Michigan who find out you know, after they've lost the property that they owed money on it, you know, their neighbor walks up and says, I bought your, I bought your backyard. (laughs) Um, and it's ultimately, it's because there's this, I think there's this profit incentive for counties to be foreclosing. In fact, some counties were using it to balance their budget, particularly during the last recession. And, uh, you know, it, there's not an incentive for them to let people know. There's actually an incentive for them to do the bare minimum required by the law and less in some cases. And then um, there's actually a really interesting story out of Western Michigan. They found um, this millionaire bought a mansion. Well, actually, he bought the land and he was building the mansion. And uh, anyway, the county there uh, took his land because he wasn't getting his tax bills. And, you know, if you're a millionaire and you own lots of pieces of property, you don't necessarily notice when the tax bill doesn't show up. Uh, anyway, long story short, he sued. And um, because he sued and conducted discovery, found out that uh, there's county emails going between the tax collector and uh, and the um uh, between the tax collector and the treasurer's office. And they're saying the treasurer the treasurer is tickled pink that they get to foreclose on this house and that um, maybe they'll have county cookouts there because it's this beautiful mansion on the lake. And of course, the owner didn't get the notice. Nobody was living there. The people, the builders didn't let them know about it. Um, You know, so there's this, there's this very perverse incentive. And as it turned out, the tax collector actually knew the lawyer for the millionaire and knew the millionaire could pay and they joked about not doing too good of a job of letting them know. They they brought a due process claim and lost. So that that seems to be key here is whether or not uh, a government is living up to its obligation to alert people properly to what they owe uh, with respect to their property. Sure. So that's part of the problem. I think that um, I. Uh, so it's half the problem. Half the problem is is they're really not doing a great job alerting people in some cases. The other half of the problem is there are situations where because of medical conditions, poverty, mistakes, whatever. I mean, I've missed Comcast bills before. You know what I mean? Like people make mistakes um, that people lose their property. And um, the question is what happens when that happens? And can the government take everything or should they only be allowed to take what they're owed and then give back? what's not theirs. I think everybody who I've spoken to, except for one group of people, have said, uh, yeah, of course, you should only keep what you're owed. It's dishonest to keep the rest. Um, But uh, the people who, you know, who've defended this law have in some way basically been on the other side of it, where they worked for the county or they've been an investor who's who's, uh, essentially gotten a windfall 
by being able to foreclose on these properties. Would this qualify as an excessive fine or fee? It could, yeah. And it it could be... um, Now, we're arguing it's actually a taking without just compensation because there is a a traditional property right that dates back hundreds of years. Um, Blackstone wrote about it. He said when a tax collector takes your property, he has a, quote, implied contract to return the extra back to the former owner after they sell it. Now, if you know anything about Blackstone, he said that implied contracts come basically in those situations where reason and justice demand it. Um, So this was something that was recognized in England. It was recognized in the colony. It was recognized in the United States almost universally for at least 100 years. Um, And in fact, during the Civil War, uh, the... (laughs) The, uh, most people don't know this, but actually there was a property tax passed by the U.S. government, so the federal government, to fund the Civil War, essentially. And uh, they had trouble collecting property taxes in the South, um, obviously because you know they're at war with the South, right? And uh, so a lot of people lost their property during this time. Well, to try to make it easier to collect this debt, they passed in the midst of this war. They passed um, some punitive measures that made it really easy, basically, for the government to take the property faster when they could get down there. And um, and it appeared to suggest that the property was forfeited and all the money went to the federal government. But the Supreme Court, when the case finally got to them, refused to read the statute that way. They said, even though the goal of it is to punish the southern states— it's impossible to just read such a, a, an extreme measure into the statute. It, we're, so we're not going to read it that way. Um, so they've never gotten to, uh, for instance, the excessive fines question or the just compensation question in this kind of context. But I think, you know, the most we have the most support on the just compensation question. But I think it could it could really also be considered excessive. Especially in a situation where, um, so I, I would say not only is it a taking of all that extra money, so from my client who owed $8, they sold it for twenty-five grand at an auction to the highest bidder, right? That's the traditional way that government collects on property debts, right, to sell it to the highest bidder. The, the unusual part was they kept everything. Okay, so that's the taking. The taking is at least... If there was a fair sale, we don't know if it was fair, but if it was a fair sale, it's at least that extra profit. But I think it's also excessive to sell a house to collect $8. So um, so I think it can be both. How many other states have this rule? You said it was uh, 12? Um, um, yeah, so there's 12 that are stealing home equity. Um, there's 14 that are stealing some form of equity. And then there's one that is sort of a question mark at this point. They, In theory, they protect the equity, but in practice, it appears they're not doing so. There may be more of those, by the way. But for the people who are curious about what states those are, uh, the, it's – Alabama, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Maine, Nebraska, Oregon, and then Wisconsin does protect homestead property. So that's one where you're living in your own home. Um, And Montana, actually, just in the spring, uh, with the help of Pacific Legal Foundation, essentially bringing this topic to the attention of legislators, uh, they fixed the law so that it now protects uh, all, almost all properties with homes on it. So it doesn't even have to be a homestead. So it's going to get most 
property owners, especially um, property owners who are more likely to fall in these categories who lose everything when the government takes their home, essentially. Or in the case of my client, the $8 client, it was a, a rental home. It was an important source of income for him. He's in his 80s. Um, and so this this new law in Montana will now protect almost all homes. Christina Martin is an attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We spoke in Colorado Springs in October. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. Cato Podcast.